Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! We are in the middle of this series called 4 plus 6. This is a study on the 10 commandments and uh, we are right now in part 7. Uh, and uh, if you're taking down notes, today's topic is called You Shall Not Commit Adultery. Wow! Okay, now before I lose all the single people, I just want to say that this is a command from God and I believe that there's so much we can learn from it This, regardless of our marital status, whether you're single or married, uh, I believe that God wants to speak to us today. So, so begin, to, uh, no, begin to prepare your hearts to receive from God and let's do it together in prayer. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and let's say, Lord, we surrender the preaching into your hands. Let's stretch up our hands to receive from God and say, Lord, we receive your instruction and your correction for us today. And let's clench our fists and say, God, give us the strength to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 18. And there you have scripture that says, you shall not commit adultery. I, first of all, want to give us some overview. You know, it might look like God is just singling out one uh, sexually immoral act, but that is not the case. You know, when God chooses to look at this, He's also talking about every form of sexual immorality. So I want you to know that the Bible by no means is trying to say that, hey, you know, this is only an adulterous issue. Uh, but no, the Bible uh, is for sexual purity. If there's anything, if there's one thing we can take away from commandment number seven is that God wants us to be sexually pure, whether we're single or married. And adultery is really uh, sex outside of marriage, intimacy outside of marriage. And I believe that applies to single people as well. As long as you're not uh, in uh, the, the, the sanctity of marriage and, and you're committing this sexual act outside of it, you know, it is against God's heart. Now, I want to also say that, uh, you know, we will be diving into some issues about sexual intimacy and stuff like that, uh, but we will also try to keep it uh, as PG as possible. Uh, but this is also coming back to the point that God is also for other forms of uh, sexual uh, violence and, uh, you know, sexual assault. God's heart is against that. Sexual violence, God's, sexual abuse, uh, molestation, anything uh, that is a perversion of, of sex uh, is against God's heart. And so today, hopefully, uh, we will be able to dive back into God's Word and uh, discover uh, what it means to be sexually pure uh, and also how we can live this out uh, for Him today. Amen. You know, we ask ourselves three questions every week uh, when we look at the commandments and uh, you know the three questions will also form um, the, the take-home point for us today. And so the first question we're going to ask ourselves when we look at something like do not commit adultery is that what does this command tell us about who we are? Well, I believe this command tells us that we can be so desperate for love that we end up looking for it in the wrong places. That's right. You know, we are created for love and to be loved. You know, God created us so that we can know Him, you know, to be loved by Him. 
But what happens is that because of man's sinful nature, uh, we have run away from God. And our brokenness now uh, uh, makes us desperate uh, for love and to be loved. Uh, so much so that even when we're in a committed relationship, we can still be looking for that love uh, uh, somewhere out there. And you know what God wants us to know is that know your brokenness, know your weakness, know your tendency to stray and to look where you should not be looking and watch out for that. Don't take my word for it. This is how Jesus taught about adultery. Uh, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If... Uh, what did I say? 27, 28. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll stop there. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll get to 29 uh, and later. And so, you know, you have this warning from Jesus on the, the look, the, the look of lust, the wandering of the eye, uh, the focusing on areas that we should not be looking at. And Jesus warns us of this. And this is not just a warning for men. Uh, increasingly so, we learned that, you know, it's not just men who suffer from lust, but more and more women admit to also being victims of pornography addiction. And so even women can be looking lustfully. And, and this is also by no means something for single people only, uh, but this is a, a command from God that warns uh, married people as well uh, to, to love your marriage. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, 32 says this, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And, and here you have Jesus basically saying that, hey, men, don't be so lustful that even when you're married, you're still looking and so desperate for what you perceive to be love and acceptance that you're willing to forego, you're willing to divorce your wife for another woman. And, and that's what Jesus was trying to do. And in another way, you can also look at Jesus championing and uh, women because back then, you know, women... Uh, had no rights. If the if the husband divorces her, uh, that will be it. And so Jesus said, "Don't don't divorce for 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 selfish reasons, but except for sexual immorality." That's why I said that the teaching of adultery is also a teaching against sexual immorality. And because if you do any of that, you make her a victim of this divorce that she can't even remarry after that. You know, and and anyone who who plots to divorce their, their own spouses to remarry again, even in their new marriage, it might look like you're married, uh, but you're actually committing adultery. So what is Jesus saying? Don't be wandering. Don't let your eyes wander. Don't let your hearts wander. And, and Jesus is trying to also communicate to us 
our brokenness. We are so broken, so desperate, so hungry for what we perceive to be love and happiness that we would go all out to pursue it even if it's in the wrong place. Uh, we are like, you know, my dog sometimes. I feed her well, I give her a loving family, um, but sometimes she's so hungry that she goes sniffing around in the trash, uh, not just at home, but when we go out and a little bit of like chicken bone on the street, she will try to wolf it down and I had to tell her, hey, stop, spit it out. You're not a street dog, you're not a trash dog. And God is trying to tell us as well, you are love. You are loved by Him. You look at the commandments as in sequence. It says that we are created to know God. There shall be no other gods uh, before us. Uh, we are uh, created to also have a relationship with God and, and not objectify God. Don't have any idols. And then in that relationship with God, we are to represent Him. Amen. We are to, to be like people who know God, live like people who know God. We are not desperate people. We are not people that are not loved. We are people that have been loved by the most high God. Even if you're not a Christian and you're watching this, you are loved, my friend. And of course, the commandments then talk about finding good rest on the Sabbath and then honoring your father and your mother. And then, you know, last week we talked about not murdering, but it's really about managing your hurts so that our hurts don't turn into hate. And, and this is where, you know, the sequence of the commandments is so beautiful. When we learn to, to honor a family and when we learn to honor God and we begin to learn to deal with our hurts, uh, we won't be so desperate to look for love in places that we are not supposed to. And, and, and this is essentially what Jesus is saying. You know, you don't be desperate. You are not created to be desperate. You're created by God, for God. So now look to Him for love. The Bible also says that, you know, the power of, of the eye, the power of the look is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body, the Bible says, is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Don't underestimate, Jesus is saying, a glance. Don't underestimate just a look because, you know, what we look is, it will also make us perceive. And sometimes we, we, we look at the, the things we have with disdain and then we look with desire in places that we should not be looking and that corrupts us, the Bible says. That messes us up on the inside. That causes our body to be full of darkness. And, and this straight away is a warning against, you know, things like lust and things like pornography. Don't just say that, oh, it's, it's just entertainment because that's what the world brands it, adult entertainment but it's not entertainment you know let's also be careful sometimes even the the entertainment that we watch nowadays uh, you know the, the 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 nudity scenes that pop up sometimes in the movies we watch in the uh, series we follow uh, we might be thinking oh you know i'm just i'm not watching that for the nudity i'm just watching uh, you know for the story element for the adventure uh, but god is saying hey be careful of the look even a glance uh, can corrupt us. Even a glance can cause something to be seared into our brains and then it, it's there tormenting us, tormenting us that we're not pretty enough, we're not good enough, tormenting us that 
that you know what we have is not enough, tormenting us that there's something better out there. Uh, and, and it's really about looking for love, you know. Even when I, I talk about pornography, and I've shared before with the church that I've struggled with pornography before. And anyone that struggles with pornography will, will tell you uh, that, you know, one of the reasons they turn to pornography is because of stress. Stress is a trigger. Uh, but I want to bring us deeper and, 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 and basically ask us this. What do you think causes that stress? Well, a lack of love. You know, we, we don't feel love at our job. We don't love our job. So it stresses us out. So we try to escape. And one of the escapes is, is pornography. It could be other forms of addiction. But, but, you know, I'm just talking about lust today. And definitely, you know, a lot of uh, 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 stress triggers is, is triggered by a lack of love. Sometimes, you know, uh, uh, affairs happen in, in marriages. You might think, well, these two people love each other. That's why they got married in the first place. What's happening here? It's because somewhere along the line, love is, has been depreciated. You know, the, 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 the wife no longer feels love. The husband no longer feels love or appreciated. Uh, and so we start looking, we start longing, we start lasting other, uh, for other things and other people and, and adultery sometimes can, can even happen. Uh, not, you know, necessary uh, with just a sexual, physical relationship, but also emotional. But it does start with a look. You know, you look at a colleague and you go like, wow, that, that colleague is so attentive. Oh, my boss is so attentive. Wouldn't it be good if my wife is so, so attentive? Wouldn't it be good if my boss is so, so, so attentive? You look at your boss and your boss appreciates you. Or sometimes it's the other way around. You're in a position of authority and the people you work for uh, love you so much, so much so that it might make you feel feel like the people around you, closest to you, your husband, your wife, uh, you know, they, they don't appreciate you as much as, you know, another person. And I'm speaking this to myself. You know, pastors fall for a reason because sometimes the, the admiration uh, of the crowd can, can, can make us feel like we are not loved. And so we start looking to the crowd for love and, and, and the whole uh, problem with lust and, and, and adultery and, and the sanctity of marriage begins to be broken when we begin to look to other places for physical and emotional love. And that's why Jesus is saying, hey, I know you're broken, I know you're desperate, but don't look for love in the wrong places. And we need to know this about ourselves, you know, so that we uh, begin to arrest that problem, you know. Uh, I, I love that in modern language, the, the word thirst is being used for, you know, um, uh, uh, sexual desperation. You know, that person is so thirsty. I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm cool enough with the uh, youth speak, but isn't it uh, powerful that the Word of God says, Jesus says that if you know me, if you know the Son of God, you will thirst no more. Amen. And maybe that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Amen. The Word of God is timeless and, and, and transcends even our urban language. You can feel thirsty in the area of your lust. But God is saying, if you truly know the Son of God, if you truly know Him, you shall thirst no more. Amen. Whoever believes in me will never uh, be thirsty, the Word of God says. And so, now that we know, okay, I, I'm a, I'm a, 
person with a problem with thirst. And I got to look to God to fill my thirst. Why then was this command given? Let's go in a little bit deeper to our second point. Why was this command given? If adultery is so naturally bad, we all know this. You don't need to be a Christian to know that adultery is bad. So why did God give it? Because the answer is this. We must not separate what God has put together. When we commit adultery, it's not just being unfaithful. We are also tearing apart uh, what God first put together. I want you to know, first of all, that God created intimacy. God created sex. And sex is not evil. But when we begin to take sex out of the place that God intended it to be, you know, uh, where God put sex, uh, God, we, we take it out, we separate it. You know, God says sex belongs in a marriage and we separate that. That's what I mean. Uh, we, we cause ourselves so much hurt. You know, I always like to explain to people, sexual love is like fire. And fire is only beneficial when it's in the right place. Uh, fire in the fireplace is beautiful and it creates warmth and it brings everyone together. Fire in, in the stove is, is beautiful because it cooks food and leads to deliciousness. But fire on the couch is a disaster. Fire on the bed is danger. Fire on the roof is destructive. And, and that's what society, that's what our flesh uh, wants us to do. It wants to separate what God has put together. And Jesus explains this, you know, uh, ingredient for intimacy, as I would like to put it, uh, in Scripture. And so why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 3 to 6. Matthew 19, uh, 3 to 6 says this. The Pharisee came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? For just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. And you know, we need to be reminded of this because God is saying, first of all, no, I don't want you to just you know, simply divorce people according to your whims and fancies. No, God marriage. But also know that it is God who put it all together. And God didn't just put man and woman together. It says that the ingredients, you know, God, God put in, you know, for that to be uh, uh, intimacy, good, intimacy, good physical, emotional, sexual intimacy, and there needs to be a few ingredients that we should not separate. First of all, is the ingredient of identity. It says, don't you know that God created man and female? You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, before uh, we are to even indulge in, in sexual intimacy, we've got to first understand that, that God's ingredient is for it to be between a man and woman, male and female. But it's not just that, it's also about understanding your maleness, understanding your femaleness. And sometimes 
we rush into sexual intimacy because our hormones are, are just shooting all over the place. And as a result, we think that a sexual act is just an act, it's just a physical urge. And God is saying, no, I did not create you as animals. I did not create you to be a victim of your urges. I created you to be male and female. You are in control. Know your gender identity. Know uh, your manhood and femalehood and, and, and know that and love that. And then it says male and female and then they will leave their father and mother and that speaks of the maturity of physical intimacy. It's not just something that oh, we, we, we should just sleep when we feel that we are ready for it. No, it, it, Jesus here says that there's a sequence to it. There is a maturity. Are you ready to leave your father and your mother to start a new life? You know, a lot of us uh, think that just because we're living away from our father and mother uh, makes us feel like we're independent. No, Jesus is talking about Real independence, independence to start your own household, maturity and readiness to have your own family where you are no longer, uh, uh, you know, a child, but, but, you know, a son and daughter, someone who will leave your father and mother. And that talks about maturity. And so it's not something that we should rush into thinking, oh, just because... I'm physically ready, I'm emotionally ready. No, what about, are you financially ready? Are you, you know, emotionally ready? Of course, physically ready, of course, but financially, mentally, you know, all these things. And, and, and Jesus is trying to use this as a way to communicate that. And then he says, be joined with his wife. There's a joining, there's a celebration. That means there's a marriage that needs to happen. And God is saying that, hey, you know, these are my ingredients for intimacy. You know, first comes the identity, then comes the maturity, then comes the holy matrimony, the sanctity, the celebration of the wedding where a husband and wife come together and then only comes the intimacy. They become one flesh. And so Jesus is right here. If you ever wonder, you know, is it just your pastors, you know, saying, oh, why should you wait until you're married to, to, to have sex? Oh, it's so archaic, you know, it's so old-fashioned. You know, I just want to try it out. There's no harm in trying. And Jesus is saying that there is harm. You know, the world we live in likes to, you know, justify a sexual a freedom, <laughs> as they call it, with these two things. Nobody can tell me how and who I should love. And secondly, if I'm not hurting anyone, what's wrong with that? And God here is trying to tell us that I created you. So I know what you're created for and what you're not created for. I created you so I know when is the right time and right place for intimacy, not you. You know, if you use your phone as a paperweight, can the phone be used as a paperweight? Yeah. Is it supposed to be used as a paperweight? No. And, and, and when you only use your phone as a paperweight, you are causing great injustice to yourself and the, enjoy and the enjoyment of that 
phone. You know, if you use, for example, uh, a pencil, you know, to dig your ear because it's itchy on the inside, uh, can the tip of the pencil uh, maybe uh, relieve the itch? Yes, but is it meant to do it? No. Are there dangers? Yes. And so God is saying that, hey, God is the one that put men and women together. And it is in the togetherness of marriage that sexual intimacy is to be shared. And if you separate that, and it's not about just fulfilling one of these ingredients. Oh, I'm male, I'm female, so we can do it. No, it's male and female, identity, maturity, sanctity of marriage, and then intimacy. And, and, and don't separate this because you will end up hurting yourself. And you might be thinking, hey, you know, I feel good. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. But God knows. Remember when Jesus sat down with the Samaritan woman and says that you've got a relationship with five men and none of them are your husband and you are not satisfied. We might look okay on the outside. We might look cool on the outside. But God knows that we are hurting on the inside. The reason why we are desperately looking for affection in places that we're not is because there is a deep longing for true love. And Jesus is saying that that kind can only be found in a committed, beautiful, loving relationship between husband and wife. Regardless of how you feel or what society says, God is saying, would you trust me as the one who put you together, who know how you take and, and, and how you can live your best life now? And you know what? I'm by no means saying also that, hey, hold on. And once you get married, everything will be fantastic. Your sex life will be perfect. You're going you're gonna to enjoy all the time. No. Uh, sex uh, is between two individuals. And, and, and good marriage, like good sex, I, I hope this is not freaking anyone out. It takes time. It takes communication. takes practice and takes work. But it can only, in other words, Jesus is saying that it, it gets better when you work at it, when you grow more in love. And that's why one night stands will not satisfy because you need to work at it. It's not about your performance that makes you a, a, a hero or a star. No, it, it's about communication and love. And, and God is saying that, you know, the, the, the act of sexual uh, relations is so beautiful between a man and a woman, you know, completely naked in front of each other, completely honest, vulnerable. And it's only in the safety of a marriage can that beautiful act be enjoyed. And it is only in the safety of marriage that you're working on it, knowing that even if you're figuring out, you know, a, a, a sex, you're not pressured by whether this person will love you or hate you based on your performance, but you already know that you are loved and cherished by this person. And that also helps preserve the relationship. And, and, and instead of cheapening sex as just an act, a physical act, it is is elevating it as, as this beautiful, precious, holy act to be enjoyed by a man 
and women. Uh, that is not about trying to match the, 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 what you read in the magazines asking you to be a better lover, but it's really just about these two people and what makes them happy. And, and, and Jesus spells out all the ingredients. And when we separate that, whether we separate the genders, uh, requirements or we separate the timing and we take it out of marriage uh, whether you're married or single we, we do that sometimes or it, it, it all leads to destruction it all leads to to heartache and pain and and i want us to know that hey sex is not bad god created it so let the god who created it guide you in this and god is saying here without a shadow of doubt adultery is not part of the ingredient for intimacy so get that out lust is not part of the ingredient so get that out patience is part of the ingredients commitment is part of the ingredients maturity is part of the ingredient communication is part of the ingredient so make it work amen and point number three is this how do we live it out today? You know, sex is a beautiful thing, but don't look for it. Don't crave for it before it's time. Don't stoke the, the embers of your, your you know, <laughs> uh, uh, love or, 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 or hormones before it's proper time, but everything in its proper place, proper time. So, and even when you're married, there is the proper place and proper time. And, and, and so God is so saying that, hey, don't cheapen marriage to just sex. It's more than that. And, and people who are single, uh, uh, be patient uh, to reach the time and place. And, and so how do we live this command out today? What is this command about? Well, the answer is this. We need boundaries. We have to, we need to establish boundaries. That's the only way we can live out. And boundaries sound like a negative word. You know, we always hear, uh, well, I always hear as a pastor, people ask, hey, pastor, when is, how far is too far, you know, in a relationship? And I always tell people, boundaries are not there to, to make it less fun. It's there to make it more fun. Boundaries are there to not separate the couple, but to hold the couple together. Hold them together in purity. Hold them together in commitment. Hold them together in, in just love and acceptance. And, and we need to be serious about setting boundaries because, you know, Jesus says, all it takes is one wrong glance. And we know this from the Old Testament. David, a mighty man of God, you know, he, he fell because he, 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 he saw a woman bathing. He saw, it, it started with a glance. It started with a lust. It started with a look. The Bible says it's clear. Our eyes are left to the rest of our body. And this affects everyone. Uh, it's just whether we are bold enough to admit it. Uh, one politician, you know, uh, that I admire, he was a president in America, Jimmy Carter, and he was so bold. It almost cost him his election, but but it didn't. But when interviewed by the press, they asked him, you know, have you ever been, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, 
because you're a Christian or whatever, you know, so you think that you are, you know, morally superior than, than your other candidates. And he was so honest. He goes, no, uh, uh, I've looked at a woman lustfully before. So as far as I'm concerned, in my heart, you know, I've committed adultery many times in, in my heart. And he was just being real and, and just saying that, hey, uh, I'm a Christian who, who practices and a Christian who, who knows my struggle. Uh, and of course, a lot of people were freaked out. Uh, but God is saying that, hey, you know, once you admit the fact that you need help, uh, that's where the healing starts. And Jesus indirectly mentions this. And let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 29 and, and 30 this time uh, that I almost wanted to read. And Matthew 5, 29, 30 says this, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And Jesus is using strong words. And by no means is he advocating for self-mutilation. But Jesus in his preaching occasionally used strong words to bring across a strong point. Like when he said, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Did God really tear down his temple and did he physically rebuild it in three days? No. But was the temple, the old, te the old covenant torn down? Yeah. And because Jesus fulfilled it, and therefore, a new covenant was born when Jesus died and rose again in three days. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is this, that because it is so easy to fall into adultery, you need to guard your life and enact strong boundaries, strong convictions, a strong fence so that you don't fall uh, in this area. And Jesus is saying that if your eye causes you to have a problem, gouge it out. If your hand gives you a problem, take it out. And like I said, it's not about self-harm, but maybe God is saying this. If you really need help, look for help. Don't be so proud to say, I don't need help. So instead of losing an eye or losing a hand, maybe some of us, Jesus is saying, it is better for you to lose your face than to lose your soul. It is better for you to lose your position. Sometimes, even in church, we can be in a position of leadership. And we love serving the Lord. We love, you know, uh, helping out. And if we were to admit that we have a weakness in certain areas, it might feel like, oh, I can't serve anymore. I can't be leading worship anymore. Uh, but God is saying that I'd rather you lose uh, um, your spot on the worship team for a while than to lose your soul. And so don't love what you have so much that you are reluctant to look for help. You know, if you struggle, if your marriage is in trouble, then look for help. Talk to your pastors, talk to your leaders, sit down and, and our heart is for you because who are we to judge? And it's better for you to, to, to lose face, <laughs> to lose credibility than for you to lose your soul. Or maybe for some of us, it can be as practical as some people. You, you have an addiction to pornography and online pornography. So it's better for you to, to unsubscribe to certain streaming services. 
than for you to lose your soul. It's better for people to laugh and wonder, why do you not have Netflix or, or whatever at home, than for you to lose your soul and keep Netflix. It's better for you to cut off internet at home and just use it for work and studies at work and school uh, than to be at home and to be a victim of lust under the yoke of internet. So rather do away with internet uh, than have internet and lose your soul. Maybe you're in a, in a relationship that does not please God. And in that relationship, you know, you're doing things that you're not supposed lose that relationship, then lose your soul. Lose a friendship, then lose your soul. Do whatever it takes to get right with God is what the word of God is saying. And I know that this is easier said than done because many times we can also be a victim of, of addiction. And a lot of times what happens is that it condemns us. Our lust condemns us. Our failures condemn us. And, and, and we condemn ourselves. And so just me telling you to lose your ego, lose your internet, lose your face, uh, talk to your leaders, it, it might feel like, you know, it's easier said than done, but can I turn you to one last scripture that will guide you and hopefully bring you some healing in your life? And in John chapter 8, why don't we turn to John chapter 8, yeah? John chapter 8, verse 3 to 12, uh, if I'm not mistaken. John 8, 3 to 12, you have Jesus uh, dealing with a Samaritan woman, uh, and it says this, but then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that you should be that, that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they say, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to him, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was the last alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We're not here to condemn you. Nobody is without sin in this area, as Jesus perfectly tells us. And so as I'm preaching this, I'm not here to make anyone feel uncomfortable. As I'm pointing out the ingredients of intimacy as God intended, I'm not trying to offend anyone, especially when we talk about sexual identity and, and the genders involved. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants your healing. And we're not here to condemn you, but Jesus wants you to heal. Uh, Jesus told the woman that, hey, I don't condemn you. Today's message is not about God condemning you or me condemning you. Jesus is saying that, hey, there's enough condemnation in the world. And sometimes we 
are, are so good at condemning ourselves. And so God says that nobody is without sin. And so I am sinless. God is sinless. But even I who is, I don't condemn you. And I, I want you to know that I'm for you and for your healing. And what did Jesus instruct her to do? Go and sin no more. Depart from your place of condemnation. So begin to tell yourself, hey, these things that have been preached to me today, the painful decisions that I might have to commit to after this preach, it's not to condemn me, but it's that to help me walk away, leave my condemnation so that I can sin no more. And the beautiful thing is this, God wants us to go. God wants us to move from a place of condemnation to a place of healing. Amen. And this might be also hard for some people that truly struggle. Like I said, sexual sin sometimes comes with a, a strong case of addiction. And it's not so easy to just uh, uh, do away. And maybe you're sharing with me, Dave, I've done uh, it before. I've tried. I've, 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 I've tried, you know, quitting pornography. I've tried quitting relationships. But I keep falling back into a pattern, a self-destructive pattern again and again. Well, here's my encouragement. Could it be that you've just been quitting, but you've not been following? Jesus ended that by not just showing his compassion to the woman, but he taught that I, Jesus, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. You maybe try walking away from darkness, but then you feel drawn back. It's because walking away is not good enough. You need to walk to. You need to walk to something. Walk to recovery. And recovery and healing is found in Jesus. And he says that and, and if you walk after me, you will have the light of life within you. And some of us, we, we might be frustrated at this because we would rather that Jesus just heals us, takes away our desire, takes away our weaknesses, just like that. And God is saying that, no, because it's not about the healing, it's about the healer. And God is saying that the journey, it's a journey. You know, some, some sins are so destructive that, that it takes us a process uh, with Jesus to be able to make progress in our healing. And sometimes God knows us that we can be too fixated with the healing because He knows that actually we just have an addictive personality. If we're healed from this one weakness, it will be another weakness that we are suddenly latched onto. And so God sometimes could be delaying the healing, not because He's not good, but because He wants you to focus on walking with the healer. And as you continue to walk with the healer, more and more, your healing becomes more and more complete. You know, I always describe myself, hey, you know, I, I, I was, you know, addicted uh, to, to, to lust, to pornography, and, and I'm a recovering addict. And I say that because I know all it takes is one wrong look, one bad day for me to fall off my wagon. But as I continue to walk closer and closer with Jesus, my healing becomes more and more complete. And so my encouragement for some people watching this right now, don't just quit, but walk to Christ. Amen. And by your own strength, you have failed. But with God, all things are possible. And with that, I want to pray for us. 
Amen. And I, I hope that this has blessed you, whether you're married or not. And this will help to grow your relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Anyone that could be wrestling with uh, 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 any form of sexual sin. And God, first of all, Lord, we know that your word says that you do not condemn us. We can feel so ugly, so exposed, so sinful. And no one felt more sinful than the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, thrown in front of you, exposed in public and exposed in front of God. And But yet, God, your word says that you do not condemn us. And so God... I know that you do not condemn, instead you want to heal. So in the name of Jesus, I pray for your healing touch, your peace to reach everyone right now. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take off the crown of self-condemnation and put on the crown of grace that overflows with your healing and overflows with your love. And Lord, help us to not just walk away from our bad behavior, but help us to walk to you for our healing. Help us to walk with you. Uh, help us, Lord, to love you. Uh, help us look to you uh, for love and acceptance and, and, and for, you know, our emotional satisfaction. Uh, and Lord, regardless whether we are single or in a loving, committed relationship, Lord, help us to honor you. Uh, uh, help us not to separate what you have put together, uh, the things, the ingredients, the, 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 <laughs> the, the recipe for success that you put together. Help us to follow your recipe. And God, we pray right now, help us to also set the right boundaries in our lives. God, you know what's better than us. For some of us, we need to do away with certain relationships. For some of us, we need to start opening up to our leaders and talking out and confessing that we have issues that we need some accountability in uh, for us to overcome. Lord, help us not to be afraid to, to lose the areas that we need to lose, whether it's losing our faith or losing certain privileges so that we continue, Lord, uh, to glorify you. And God, I pray for any brother and sister that is struggling with addiction, where they have bad days and they have good days, and so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we will continue to walk after you faithfully, knowing, Lord, uh, that the focus should be on you, our healer, and not on the healing or breakthrough only. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us, and we thank you that you want to make us whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, before I close today's service, you know, I just also want to give us an opportunity to respond. You know, today we talked about love and, and, and intimacy. I want you to know that God created us. But remember when I told you that God put together the recipe for intimacy? He said that in the beginning, He created us man and woman, male and female. In other words, we were not created for sex. Sex is, is, is a gift to us. And so, you know, you're not created uh, just to run after pleasure. You are created to run after God first and foremost. And so I want you to know that within all of us is a God-shaped heart that we're desperately trying to fill uh, with, with, with different things, you know, with more, with, with drink, with drugs, even with sex, and it doesn't leave us satisfied. We try filling it with relationships, but, but it can end up breaking a relationship because 
of our own brokenness. And so what am I trying to say? Come to God first. Let God heal that brokenness. Let God feel up the, the God-shaped hole in your life because only God can meet that need. And once God comes in, once you're reconnected, healed and made whole by God, the healing will begin to overflow into your other areas. And so that's my prayer for you today. You know, don't run away. Would you accept, you know, the invitation of God? The Bible says that God stands at the door of our heart. He knocks and whoever opens in, he will come in and he will dine and fellowship with that person. Would you open up your heart to God? If you would like to do so in a while, we're going to say a prayer. I want you to echo it with your heart and sincerely invite Jesus in and he will change your life and bring healing to areas that have been, you know, abused and hurt. And we know today we talked about uh, uh, sexual immorality and maybe some of us, we have been abused in the past. Friends, I want you to know God doesn't condemn you. God just wants to heal you. Would you come to him and allow him to heal you and to take away the scars and traumas of your past and give you a new future and a new life. God bless. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.